A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Warning, this podcast will contain spoilers for the Channel 4 show Celebrity Hunters Series 5. It may contain some strong language and at some point, a dog. In 2022, 10 celebrities left behind their lives to go on the run in aid of Stand Up For Cancer. Their mission was to go undetected for 14 days against an elite team of hunters tracking their every move. Ah, bollocks. Bollocks, bollocks, bollocks. Wait out, possible, possible. Please get out of here. I'm getting really paranoid right now. Let's go and see the tower when it's over. You've been hunted down, Lily. Stand where you are, stay where you are. Where are they? With the CCTV, which jetty were they heading towards? Because there's two. Yes, it's the right hand jetty. Jesus Christ. Okay, Jordan, this is all on you now. Grand Hunter units are not going to make it in time. Did I connect between the trees? Go on, Jordan, get them legs in motion, mate. He's there! Michael! Must be getting close, Jordan. I can hear it. Come on, Jordan. Bollocks. My name's Craig. And I'm Nat. Last year we discovered Hunted and are now obsessed. But like with every obsessive TV show we watch, we're left with unanswered questions. Like, did the show's producers have to claim on the insurance when Bobby Siegel reversed the ambulance into a post? Does he always sleep naked in a stranger's house? Cos, that's just weird. Whose idea was it to go to Nando's? And how many seconds away was he from extraction before he felt the cuddle of Mel? It's time to find out as we welcome Sir Siegel the Brave to the Hunted Podcast. Come on, horsey. Go. Could try to play, but you're never gonna beat me. Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy. Bloody hands stain from the people who deceive me. Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me. People like sheep move feet, hurt it easy. You don't wanna be fast asleep when they scheme. Better stay tall, ready for a fight, believe me. When they try the chains, you can say no, free me. Welcome back to the Hunted Podcast. Great to have you with us again. It's time to uh, channel our inner hunter, isn't it? Looking forward to this one. Yeah, we like it's like the an interrogation room. Oh, okay. You remember when like, they did it for a little while? Blakesley did it, didn't <gasps> when they? They tried to 
give people money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna be good cop or I'm evil. Oh. I don't know. I feel like I want to play bad cop today. I've had okay, a bad day. You go bad cop. I'll go good cop. Okay. I think you're a better good cop than me. To okay. be fair, anyway. Right. Um, we haven't got any money to offer though, nope. so uh, apologies for that. But. We might find some Nando's vouchers somewhere, which is very apt for our guests, isn't it? Very, <laughs> it very is, apt. Yeah. Shall we say hello to him? Let's. It's Bobby Siegel, aka the Siegel the Brave. I knew you'd get there eventually. <laughs> That's good. So <laughs> <laughs> Siegel the Brave. It's got his own theme tune. I love it. <laughs> Hi, Bobby, Craig. Hi, Nat. Welcome Hi. to the Hunter Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks as well for the last six weeks. We've obviously been interacting a lot on social media and things like that which has been really really fun um and we just wanted to sort of delve into those unanswered questions mainly because we didn't see you until week four no i know like even my friends and family and my students like sir are you in the show and that one funny little thing uh, craig and that was when i went to uh katya and amy screening for week five someone from the public came up and said oh i'm so sorry you got caught on week one they just thought i was out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I haven't been there. Saf and I were just like invisible for a few weeks. Just absolutely blinked and missed it. That's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Now, before we go anywhere else, we are filming this as well. Yeah. We need to explain because me and Bobby are wearing matching t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Why have you jumped on the Sorry Jordan hype? I love it. It's it, Because I, I, so my weekly, so the last six weeks, obviously on Tuesday night at nine o'clock, I watch Hunted and then on social media for a bit. And then the next day, I'm just like waiting for your drop of the podcast. I'm literally just like, come on, guys, refresh, refresh. <laughs> and I'm like, where is it? And then so either on my way to school or I'm cooking, cleaning at the gym, I'm like, aha. And the theme song comes. I'm like, yeah, I've got an hour and hour. I can just delve into it and listen to like the UK's number one fan podcast. Oh, oh that's so sweet. I mean, it's not the UK's number one fan podcast. I'm calling it that. I'm calling it. You can put that on your tour title. On a tour title, because you've got ambition. <laughs> to be fair, if we did have a tour, you know what we'd have to call it? What? The Sorry Jordan tour. Yes, oh. we would. Yeah. We need an agent. We do. Bobby, how you <laughs> fixed? Because you've already come up with a tour. So. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. Well, thanks for listening. We really appreciate that. Now, we're not going to say anything else about the Sorry Jordan t-shirt. All we'll say at the minute is that you've just jumped on the hype because you've enjoyed the Sorry Jordan banter. But we will say there is something special coming very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. Shall we delve into the, the start then? Shall we? Let's go. I think really what we want to find out first and foremost is how did you actually get involved with Celebrity Hunter? Because obviously it was filmed a year ago. It's been on telly over the last six weeks. So you've been sitting on it for quite a while. How did you first get involved? So Channel 4, about maybe just over a year ago, came and asked me, oh, do you want to do Hunted? I'm like, yeah, sounds cool. Um and I, to be honest, I was not a religious fan of the show. You know those programs that you watch and you know exists? Um, I knew it existed. I knew the premise of the show. So I binged a few of the series. And I thought, actually, yeah, this definitely sounds like the thing I want to do. Um, and then I sort of was going through my Rolodex of people that I could want to be partnered with. Um, and Saffron was pretty much right at the top of the list. And the reason is, so I can't just ask my mate from school because they have to be classified as someone in the public profile. So I had to go to my friends who are, I don't actually like the word celebrity. In my school, teachers have to use the word Mr. Siegel has profile. Not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. High profile hunted. That's all I like. That's my word. <laughs> um, so the, the show that I did, which had the most number of celebrities, was The Real Dirty Dancing. So essentially, that was the pool of people that I could have got. And I knew that Saffron 
had done Strictly recently. So she's, you know, already in the mindset of taking part in a competitive event. But secondly, from doing Dirty Dancing, I knew that she's competitive and that she'd want to win. And I know that there are some people on, on the show where I did other sort of like Dirty Dancing who were like funny comedians. But I thought, if I want to do well, if I want to get far, again, you never know with Hunted, you know, you might get caught on day one or day two if you're unlucky. But I thought Saffron, she's determined, she's focused. And we actually bonded over that. And one funny thing I'll tell you about how I first heard about Saffron was, so I was teaching in school a few years ago, maybe about 2018 or 19. And then one of my students had their phone out and like, it's a no-no. You have your phone out, it's confiscation, detention. And they're watching a YouTube video. Yeah, oh, Craig, first warning, first warning. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm used to that from a math teacher. <laughs> That's another story for later. So the, a student was watching a YouTube video. And I said, what are you doing? Phone out, detention, normal policy. And they're watching this Saf- Saffron Bark. I'm like, what are you watching? They said, oh, Sir, Saffron Bark is such an inspiration. I don't know who they're talking about. And then a year, and then a few months or maybe a year later, she ended up on Strictly and ended up following her on Strictly. And then a couple of years after that, we ended up doing the Real Dirty Dancing together. And I remember once I told one of my students, Oh, I know Saffron. And my students started shaking and nearly fainted. Oh, wow. Because they're like literally obsessed by Saffron. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So, so I knew Saffron would be competitive. And I, when I enter things, even if I'm not like skilled or competent, I always want to go as far as I can. That, that's always my objective. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned the teaching stuff there. For those that don't know, because people might sort of think it's a little bit strange. Obviously, you know, you've been on Celebrity Hunted, you've done The Real Dirty Dancing, you've got a Netflix thing out at the minute where you're looking for a partner and things <laughs> like that, which we've sort of been watching. In we parts. have. Be honest, we've, we've, uh, we've fast-forwarded it through the other bits and just watched your bits. Um, but we've, we've sort of had a little look at little research, I think they call it. Yes. Research like that. But obviously as well, you know, you're a teacher by, by day. I know it's only sort of part-time now, isn't yeah. it? But tell us a little bit more about that because that must be such a surreal thing to for them to maybe have gone... Oh, I'm going to watch Celebrity Hunter with my parents, and uh, and then on, on Wednesday morning, oh, I've got double mass with Mr. Seagull. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that you? Is, are you the one that crashed the ambulance? Are you the one who's also oh, sorry? Ambulance, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because so I um, actually my own career for the first seven years, I worked in the city in banking. So I was a trader at Lehman Brothers. If anyone's got memories from back from 2008, the bank that collapsed and caused you know, lots of bad financial things. I worked as a trader there. Then I was a trader at a bank called Nomura. Then I was a chartered accountant. So my dad was very happy about that. So working in the city, but I had a sabbatical at PwC where I taught new graduates. So they're not children, but they're 21, 22. Yeah. And I love the teaching so much. I thought, actually, I reckon I could be good at this, like explaining ideas things. So I changed careers at the age of 30, went to uni, back to uni as it were, uh, to Cambridge to do my teacher training, my master's, starting my doctorate. And when I was doing my master's, I was actually head of department at the same time in a state school in London. Um, wow. um, so I was doing my master's. I went on a game show called University Challenge, uh, went viral on that for like enthusiasm plus knowledge. So my team, we lost to Wolfson College, Cambridge and Eric Monkman, but the, we were very good friends and the BBC loved that sort of like dynamic between the two of us. And we had like the likes of Stephen Fry, Louis Theroux, even Hacker the Dog from CBBC tweeting about <laughs> went crazy. And then we were like on the one show, invited loads of programs, and then we had our own road trip show. And I sort of just continued with that. So I'm not a head of department anymore, but I still teach in a school. And I try to balance the two between having a, albeit part-time, a real job with real people, and then doing the sort of glitz and glamour. Although Hunted's not always glamorous, the glitz and glamour of 
the small screen. Yeah. Did you have to take that into consideration when um, the, the guys from Hunted was, was like, yeah, come on the show? Because obviously it's two weeks out of your life. Um, obviously, you're then going to be put in the public profile as well. So students may find out other bits and bobs about you. I know when I was at school, if I'd have found out any nugget information about yeah. My master tried to rinse him because I hated him. Um, he was a hor- he was a horrible man, um, and you know. But those little things, I guess, when you've got a job which is normal in inverted commas, is something mm. which maybe would have crossed your mindset before saying yes. Hundred percent. That again, that's part of the calculation in my head. Uh, one is I really enjoy the television work, so the more I can do of it, the happier I am. But at the same time. I left a really well-paid profession in banking to become a teacher and educator, especially in math. So I still want to continue with that. Um, so the, the two thoughts that came in my head is, one is whenever I do anything, as long as I can justify what I do to fellow staff members or the head teachers, they, they can pull me in a meeting and go, Mr. Seagull, you, have you, you know, put our school to disrepute? As long as I never do anything that personally that brings the school to disrepute, I'm happy to do it. So. Um, and the school were willing to give me some time off. But it was a weird one where I didn't know how many days I'd be away for. They're like, yeah. oh, so when are you off? Yeah, I'm off on Wednesday. Oh, I might be back on Thursday, uh, Thursday, or I might be back two weeks later. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, dear. Was you ever tempted to, to, to say no when they, when they, uh, they put the offer out? Because you said you, you weren't a, a big fan of the show. You'd not really watched it I never too really watched much. it, but I know that thing is I knew it existed. If I didn't know what the show was, like, again, I'd seen trailers so if I had no idea what the show was, I might have said, I'm not sure. But I'd, I'd seen, again, I'll be honest, sorry, Channel 4, I'm more of a BBC person. Even though I hosted <laughs> a game show called The Answer Trap, one series on Channel 4. They used to double it up with Countdown. I am more of a BBC 2, BBC kind of person. Uh, but I watched a few, I, I binged a couple of seasons and I thought, ah, that looks incredible. Like a real mm. life game of cat and mouse. Again, as children, yeah. we all played hide and seek. And I thought, wow. I get to do that for two weeks. I was going to say get paid. You don't get paid. It's for yeah. It's for yeah. cancer. But two weeks to do that um, hmm. away from the real world. I thought, yeah, this I can't turn down this opportunity. Would you ever have done the the normal one, the civilian series? Because obviously, you know, like you said, you don't see yourself as a celebrity. You see yourself as what was it you said earlier? Like the the staff oh, right, profile. 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and we've had people on the normal series that have had a little bit of profile within their own sort of smaller field yeah. so would you have ever been tempted to do the one where a hundred thousand pounds was on the line to be honest i wish now i did that one first because i could have got the hundred grand and then <laughs> got the celebrity one a few years later that that would have been the right approach so maybe it's a tactical mistake by me oh, i don't know i think they maybe take it a little bit extra too seriously as well with the hundred thousand pounds plus you know yeah, and it's longer. And it's, yeah, there's another week on top of what you had. So. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I was thinking about it recently. I absolutely love the experience. And in fact, currently, I can't say who, but I've had some new people. So the new Celebrity Hunters filming very soon. Uh, so they've selected the cast. Some of the cast members gave me a call last night um, and asking for my advice. And I said to them, I had an incredible experience, one, one of those sort of once-in-a-lifetime experiences, but I would never do it again. Like, never. <laughs> no, no. Oh, it's like double charity money I'm like someone else can do it someone else. <laughs> so we've got you on the show you've got your partner with, with, with Saffron how quick were Shine to say perfect because obviously with her standing and her following that appeals to the whole um, 
stepping out of the spotlight yeah. thing because she's got these millions of followers and everything. Mm. Very so that must have been a real like light bulb thing for them to go, actually, yeah, that's brilliant casting. Yeah, I think again, when you look at it on paper, Saffron and I are so different. Like we're a different age generation, we're different public profiles. Like I'm like a mathematician academic with BBC Two game show audiences. Saffron has a younger YouTube Instagram audience. So I think combining the two together, mm. maybe like, yeah, a stroke of genius. Um, I'll, I'll take the credit for that as I'm the one that said, oh, actually, Saffron would be a great partner for me. Uh, and I asked Saffron, Saffron is definitely up for it. Did you know who else was in it as well? Did they sort of dangle the hook a little bit? So to be honest, they didn't really tell us. They kept it, um, they kept it very quiet. Although this is a behind the sneak, uh, behind the curtains sneak peek. Um, I messaged one of my friends on the sh actually on the series of my series of hunted and said i'm going to be away for a couple of weeks up to i'm doing celebrity hunted and she's like no way i'm doing it too can you guess which of the other uh, gonna, i'm gonna say amy or do, Katia. You want, do, you want, do you want to guess oh nicola nicola thought yeah it's actually katia so Katya and I were friends before, and I told her, and then she's like, oh, and it actually did help, because it meant that both of us could sort of chat a little bit about our strategy and our, you know, like, even basically, yeah. like, what do you pack in a backpack? Wow. It's quite interesting to think that, because maybe you might have reached out to her if Amy, you know, if, if Saffron had gone, I'm too busy, I can't fit it in, maybe she'd have been your next port of call. So that could, It could have been, it genuinely could have been. It's, how do you think that dynamic would have worked if you'd have been instead of being with um, Saffron, if you'd have been with Katia? How, how how would that have worked? You think? I think the two of us were too loud together. Like I'll tell you about some of this because again, you, obviously it's fourteen days. They edit certain bits, but there were discussed to two specific people, celebrities that we visited in our time that they couldn't have time for the for the cut. Um, which is yeah, you would definitely want to hear those. But I think with Katia and I. I think we're both quite loud. And even though we're not like, Saffron gets spotted everywhere, it wouldn't be quite the same, but I think yeah, two of us, we'd find it hard to keep our mouth shut. So maybe it was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's cool. Did you did you talk to Katia afterwards, once it had all finished? Did you two talk about your times on the run and share? Yeah, yeah Nat, because one of the things is when you're on the run, you genuinely have no idea how anyone else is doing. And, and again, your cameraman, you, you're followed by three people, someone that is the camera person, and then two people that are there to sort of record any interactions with the public and log it back. And then someone whose job is to sort of identify any CCTV cameras and replicate it if the hunters request a specific camera. Um, so you're spending a lot of time with them, but you genuinely have no idea whether everyone's been caught or no one's been caught. Yeah. So you're just, you're just, you're just sort of, playing it day by day. Yeah. Do, do they not tell you when someone else has been caught? Do they not tell you how many other people are left? So you have mm. no idea by the time. Literally zero. Some, like, obviously you're like, you're like, ah, oh, surely someone's been caught by now. And they'll be like, maybe, maybe not. So they're like the teacher that can't tell you any information. Like, you know, like in a school exam, like my exam yeah. and then, you know, the invigilators that come down and you're like, ah, oh, um, can, can you be, can you say that question? All they can do is read out the question again. So if I ask, one of the camera crew, has anyone been caught? They'll ask me, do you think anyone's been caught? Uh, so you know what it is? <laughs> it's the equivalent of Alex Horn on Taskmaster going, all the information's on the task. Yes, yes literally that, literally that. It is that. <laughs> oh. Yes. Shall we go to jail? 
Okay, let's go to. Mm, all right. We're not committing. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to jail. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, you did. <laughs> when did you... I mean, for us, we've wanted it like a prison break for a while. We're big yeah. into escape rooms. We love that. One of the best ones we did, we started, it was like a jail cell and we were actually chained to the wall and we had to like get the key out and, and everything. It was up in Barrow, I think it was. Yeah, it was the second, I think it was the second one we've ever yeah. done. Yeah, um, but we've always, since then we've always wanted like a, a breakout thing yeah. to be fugitives. So we were buzzing when we saw yeah. the jail yeah, it thing. it was really good to know that it was actually a proper breakout, not just uh, being dropped off somewhere. Yeah, mm. it's the first time we've ever done that as well. Yes. At what point did you know that that was going to be the, the breakout? So I knew that we were going to Shrewsbury. Oh. I don't think they told us it was a prison breakout. I think, they, again, they tried to keep as much information away from you so that it's a surprise when you turn up. Um, they did ask us for the, our, our clothing sizes, like jumper, tr <coughs> trackies. So I'm like, okay, why are they get why are they working out our clothes sizes? So we're trying to speculate what it was, but we I don't think I knew uh, that it was a prison until we turned up um, and then we're like, ah, oh, there we go, she's a prison. So that was, yeah, a surprise for, uh, uh, for us as much as it was to the audience. Now, how long were you in the prison for before they said, right, off you go, game is on? Because there was a clip on the show where James and Ed go to the Speakman's house and they were saying that they'd spoken to them in the clink, as it were, and, to, and said, oh, you can go to our house if you want. So how long were you banged up for? Two hours? Um, it was a bit more, it was a few hours because a lot of the scenes they had to film us like, you know, the, in the opening credits in the first episode, we're walking in, checking our stuff in the prison. They had to film yeah. those things many times again. Uh, and in that process, we had long conversations with people. Yeah, and that's where the Speakmans, lovely, I, I'm a big big fan of the Speakmans, they helped me overcome my fear of Marmite. I used to hate Marmite. And I said to them, can you help me? Like, And over lunch, they got like some Marmite, some almonds, and they made me enjoy. I have Marmite every day now. And I used to hate it for years. I used to hate it. So that's thank you, Nick and Eva, for that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be speaking them to, to them tomorrow. Yeah, so yeah. what we must do at the end is we must get you to get a, que a question for them and, uh, oh, yeah. and and see what they say. Um, so you're in prison. You've yep. done. You've obviously filmed all the scenes. It's a TV show, so we know that there's going to be multiple shoots of that. Mm -hmm. Is that the only point of the the process really, where it is stop start? Everything else is basically off. You go and you see what you see is what you see. Yeah, pretty much because. I've seen again on Twitter, people would say, oh, it's staged, it's scripted. I mean, the powers that be, the, the, the directors and producers, you know, the big, the ethereal godlike bodies who are there in Channel 4, they might have like a story in mind. But from my perspective, with Saffron, we just want to do as well as we can. We want to have a bit of fun, but we want to get as far through the process. So we're not going to play a game with any script that they have in mind for us, as it were. But that first day in the prison is the only one where it's a bit choreographed in terms of we all need to come into prison, have our gear and break out. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, um, it's, yeah, it's you do what you want. Like, it, I've had friends who've done other bits of television and done Hunted, and they've all said Hunted is the most immersive experience where the, the participants choose the story. Because in most television shows, the yeah. director has a much, they have a big shout. They're like, actually, let's refilm that. In fact, I want you to go here. Whereas Hunted is, you do what you want to do. And in, even more so in the civilian one, because they want to win the money. With our one, there's an element of, you want to do a, some fun things that may, might relate to you or your profession, but not too fun. Otherwise, you might be like James and Ed getting caught. 
relatively early on. So it's trying to balance between being fun but getting far. Um, so you're in prison, you've left prison. Where do you go first? Because we don't see a lot of where you go to begin with. So we don't see until episode four. No. <laughs> so where did you head to first after you got out yeah so we uh, obviously had an ambulance again one of the things that hunter did allow us to sort out was that first escape vehicle yeah. um so for us it was an ambulance the speakman's had a was it a tandem bike tandem bike yeah tandem bike. You know, kathy yeah. and amy had a was it a, a motorbike with a sidecar yeah. um and who else was there do we have oh, nicola had her dad pick her up yeah, Nicola's dad picked her up and then Ed and James just went for a meal. Yeah. You know what? I think I think no, no, Ed I'm not sure whether I've heard this rumor somewhere randomly, but I think they wanted to organize a hot air balloon. <laughs> that, I can imagine. Yeah, see that. That matches that. That did that would have been brilliantly yeah. funny. Well. I think that's the, because if you're a hot air balloon, the hunters have got their helicopter. Yeah. That's not gonna be any good, is it? <laughs> no. Imagine that the like the, the blades of the chopper just like oh, randomly no. wearing them. Oh, no. balloon. No. It's not going to get past health and safety, is it? No. no. So, so Saffron and I, uh, actually one of Saffron's friends, we we met in a random car park uh, that we sort of agreed beforehand we're going to meet you there. They picked us up. Um, and it was sort of near, near-ish Shrewsbury, like maybe a couple of hours drive. Um, and again, when you're being filmed, you have no idea what's going to make the cut. Yeah. Um, but on, in episode one, or maybe two, did you see was it episode two that you saw Safna and I at a Pride event? Yes. Yes. We saw like literally just that and then nothing. Oh. So this is a bit where obviously they can't show everything. There's two okay, as part of the show, again, people sometimes will tweet us and say, Oh, these celebrities are so stupid. Why do they go and hang out with, you know, yeah. one of their high profile friends? I think like it's not a unreasonable thing to say that we have to do certain things as part of the show. And one yeah, of like meet one of our yeah well-known acquaintances or, or connections yeah. um I mean, we, we've said this a, a number of times we've had people who've been on the actual show and you know it's a game there are um, there's money on the line in the civilian series so there has to be certain rules it has to balance it out so yeah if, in fact we've just started watching the australian one yeah. and mm. it actually outlines that as part of the game in the very first episode it actually says they must try and um like trap the hunters yeah. they must try and reach out to the friends they must spend x amount of money and do mm. this this and this so Maybe the UK version just needs to take on that and just hit that nail on the head and say, no, actually, these are the rules of the game, because that might help. That's really fascinating, yeah, especially if Australia does it. I'm sure they could do it in the UK. So what we did was, um, are you Bake Off fans at all? Yes. I, I, go to, I, I go to sleep when it's on, because it's a bit like Married at First Sight. She'll put it on. <laughs> but I'm a Bake Off fan because it inspires her to bake and means I get cake because she doesn't eat it. So, And yeah, every year, the every Bake Off year book. Every year I get the book. Uh, so, do you remember the Italian winner in 2021? Giuseppe. There we go, Giuseppe. So he's a friend of mine. Um, I think, again, just through social media. And then I called him when I was on the run to say, Giuseppe, can... I come and stay with you. So we went to stay with Giuseppe. And I think I did post this on my social saying, ah, oh, thank you, Giuseppe, for looking after us. Shame it didn't come out. So we stayed at Giuseppe. To be honest, we didn't stay overnight. Got a really lovely Italian lunch. Um, had a shower. So I think this is when we were on the run. And Saffron and I actually camped overnight at one stage. We didn't get shown. Um, probably because there's not too much to show, like apart from like putting the tent up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and Giuseppe made a, a tart. And on the tart, it said, Lisa, you tart. 
which is <laughs> and we, and we, I'm, I'm pretty certain we showed, we shared it on social media yeah, I remember reason, it, the hundreds yeah. might not have picked it up but I thought that was quite funny that yeah funny. very <laughs> funny I, yeah I love the humor um yeah it, uh, it's so funny to sort of hear those little things and you, you don't think about because they can't show everything like you say yeah. it is a tv show they've only got an hour and they've got a film a story arc as well was there anything which you thought was shown out of order so like for example you go to bristol pride and that pops up in episode two was that like later on in the process and was just fitted in to, to do like a bit of an update or oh, okay that's a that's a good point so i think for saffron and i it did feel chronological but the amount of airing different bits had weren't proportional to the amount of time we spent in places yeah like we spent a lot of time near bristol a few days but that became like a few seconds on screen so again they've got different storylines that they're trying to to show along so yeah um maybe there's a mass proportional question somewhere there <laughs> don't get me started on maths again <laughs> maths teacher here um before you went on the run did you and saffron sit and plan where you wanted to be, who you wanted to see, and at what point. Yeah. So, Nat, what our plan was, we looked through our contacts, people that were willing to be on the show, because obviously if a contact is going to support you, they can't not not be on screen. They've got to be on screen. Yeah. Um, and there are some people that want to help but don't want to be on screen, in which case they can't really be part of the process. So we went through our contacts list, looked at the major cities like London, Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much had contacts scattered everywhere. But then our general plan was just try and sort of just keep moving around the country. And by day 12 or 12 or 13, I think day, day 12, when you find out where extraction is, if we got to that stage, we wanted to be roughly near the middle of England. We oh, sort of gambled that extraction wouldn't be in the north of Scotland or right down the southwest Cornwall. That's just a bit, that's just guesswork. And we said, if we can stay roughly in the middle of the country, then we're positioned to go north or south. So we kept yeah. on trying to circle around that part of England. Yeah, we've always said that, haven't we? When we thought yeah. about it, we always thought, if you get to like the last few days, you want to try. I mean, we live East Midlands, so... That's um, a that place. We'd probably look at coming home at yeah. that point because... It's what a couple of hours to London, yeah, you, about three hours down to Cornwall. You've got a way to get everywhere. Like we're yeah. right near the M1. Yeah, we can get to a lot of places very easily from here. Yeah, I actually quite like that idea of yeah, because we've we've seen it. In fact, we saw it with the Speakmans, didn't we? They sort of they drifted a little bit far, and that's ultimately what yeah. got them caught. Yeah, because they, they, I think they were in Wales. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. They were a bit too far away. Yeah. And obviously their plans got ruined by the weather. Yeah, because they were going to, I don't know if you know this, but they revealed it on their Instagram after. Um, they were actually going to um, hire a, a helicopter or a private plane to get them from Wales to extraction point. Um, oh, wow. But the, we the weather um, was, it, it obviously prevented them from, from doing it. So they ended up having to get a taxi, which is how yeah. the HQ got onto them in, in the first place. That's right. I wasn't aware of that actually. Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting to think that. That actually brings us nice onto the, the next point because it was filmed July last year. Everybody was baking. A few yes. of the days were you, because there again scenes that didn't make the cut. At uh, some stage, Saffron and I were trying to just get a hitchhike, and we're just melting in the sun. We're like, please, someone, someone help us. Um, and again, normally. 
as part of the, the the rules of the game, the hunted producers production team, they can't give you anything, any guidance, any food, any water. But that's the only time where they're like, do you need any water? Because it was, do you remember it was like nearly 40 degrees? It was oh, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, before we moved here, we've only been living here like four months. Um, we lived on like a, it was like a, a masonette house on one floor where my dad mm-hmm. still lives. Um, so obviously heat risers and there was glass windows at either end and there was a corridor at the top of the stairs, which was just an absolute oven. Mm-hmm. I was out of work at the time and like trying to look for jobs and I just could not motivate myself to move from my bed where the fan was trying to keep the dog cool with his little bandana on it was horrendous i would it'd be interesting to actually see what happens in civilian hunts as well because that was filmed straight after oh gosh so, yeah, it would have been it was still red hot. red hot it was one of the hottest ones we've had for years so i'm not surprised i mean it's a night it makes sense that you know the hunt the, the production crew sort of said oh do you need water that sort of thing because they are actually responsible for you. They're responsible for your welfare. Because mm. that's why there's been a few changes over the years as well. Like there was a catcher. I don't know how, like, how much of it you, you've watched. We binged it last year, basically, mm-hmm. um, which is why we know a lot. Because we just wrote it all down and it's in there. Yeah. Um, where... you know, do you actually have a notebook? Because in every episode of your podcast, you talk about your, your different ways of doing it. Someone does it thematically. Someone does it chronologically. Who's yeah, a chronological? So, ah, these are the hallowed books. I do it chronologically, so I go by what happens and when and just put it down. Craig does it more... My person? Team by team. Team by yeah. team, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it, it's all falling apart because it's one of the worst notebooks ever. <laughs> so I'm trying to find a page which isn't going to fall apart. In fact, I found one with, with you on it, so... Uh, oh, this is... I'm excited. Maths teacher... <laughs> Dollars dishwater, better not say that. That's what that one of the hunt. Ah, lovely. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> like that. As long as he doesn't say, but yeah, one of Hunted HQ called me. He's just a walking calculator and he's Dollars dishwater. Yeah, that was Raymondo. Ray yeah, he's lovely. Ray you're a walking calculator. I quite like that one, but I didn't know the Dollars dishwater. I one of the hunters. That was Hattie. Yeah. 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 Hattie's been quite. Uh, she's been scathing this year. She's she had a promotion. She had a little promotion. She's stepped up deputy in this series. So just went with the. Uh, everyone. Yeah, some scathing remarks. I mean, it'd be interesting to see the, the Speakman's take on it because obviously, behind the scenes, little look from the podcast point of view, we actually changed the title of the first episode um, because we obviously didn't know the Speakman's at the time, and we were just going by like a little funny quote, which mm. which Ray said, which is also why we stopped doing the quote of the week. Um, because ah. after a while, because it was a lot of work as well to, to do that and to try and turn it around, so um, that's why we brought in the dipshit thing instead because we just spent our time scrolling through Twitter, okay. um, which is actually better. I spent too much yeah. time, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I know <laughs> in your lunch break when you were not getting in paid my by the lunch company, break when I should Sweet. not have been answering clients. Thank uh, you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we actually changed the name of the first episode, so it was actually going to be um, called be called um grew up and became serial killers because in the very first episode ray says it looks like hansel and gretel Gretel grew up and became serial killers and we were howling laughing because it was a just a funny quote and then we thought actually after we put it out we thought we need to take people's feelings into consideration we changed it to to whatever it it became in the end and yeah but the speakmans are absolutely lovely we spoke to them a number of times and and live and we're going to looking forward to speaking to them as well tomorrow so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite fun to do that. But 
when you watch it back, because obviously you don't know what's happening at Hunted HQ. It's obviously edited like your side of it is as well. But mm-hmm. what goes through your mind when they are sort of, A, saying those things and sort of obviously trying to play up the cameras a little bit, but also B, when you look at it and think, actually, God, they were so close. Mm. So I think with what they say, again, like the walking calculator, that, to be honest, the walking calculator is a, is a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a mathematician. Donald <laughs> yeah. Dishwater, that's the one. Although I should make, make, make a t-shirt. I mean, that's my autobiography, Dallas Dishwater. That's the title, subtitle. <laughs> the Life and Times of Bobby Siegel. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're all human. If, if someone says something a bit scathing about you, or your yeah. appearance, you're like, <gasps> but we know it's a TV show. So like, I, I've learned to take a step back. But in terms of how close they were, I think places like Cambridge, we didn't realize how close they were. And often with Safran and I, I think one of the reasons that we did quite well is that we were uber paranoid. Anytime, again, you, we saw little bits of it in Cambridge, the paranoia, but often when Safran was snapped or we saw people with pictures or people yes. asked for selfies, we'd be polite because, you know, for example, Safran, she relies on her fandom. Um, so we would obviously get, the, I often I would often get the picture for Saffron <laughs> and her, her fans. But then afterwards we're thinking like, ah, was that, does that mean our cover's blown? Do we need to move? And even things like if we see a CCTV camera and we walk past it, we're like, ah, we were on that, weren't we? And then we make a decision, do we decide to stay? If we stay somewhere, then we need a, a, a getaway plan very quickly, like ah, jump over those fences or get this way, get in that car, or we decide we're gonna move. So I think Saffron and I, on certain days, we moved three times in one day because we just got paranoid, we got spotted. And again, maybe the show didn't depict as much, but there was a lot of paranoia. And I think the paranoia is what helped us succeed because we, like, I think, again, I don't know everyone else's experience in the show, but I felt like other people went somewhere and sort of stayed there. Whereas ours, we just kept on moving again and again and again. We probably made it a nightmare for the editors because the storyline is very confusing if Safran and Bobby are in three places within the space yeah. of three minutes. Um, but we just kept on moving, partly because of paranoia. Yeah, I think that probably explains a lot, actually, of why they didn't get shown in those yeah, early episodes. The, the later ones, yeah, we did see you because there's quite a lot. more going out of the game, yeah. and then you're mm-hmm. you're moving. But I think I do that as well. I think paranoia must be the, the the biggest thing of being on the show because you're not you are thinking about being chased, you are thinking who's where, and especially when it comes to taking photos. And we've seen it in previous Celebrity Hunted. All right, these particular celebrities haven't necessarily addressed it in the right way. They go into a Tesco's and um, they're basically just batting people and saying, no photos, no photos, or don't upload it and, and all of that. And I totally get it. And I guess that was maybe part of the risk for you because you knew that's Saffron's livelihood. It, yeah. You know, it's not winning the show is not going to change her life because it, it's not a monetary prize. You're doing it for the bigger picture, it's for mm. charity. Um, but if people do post it, if I met a celeb and um, took a picture with them. Mm-hmm. I'd want to post it straight yeah. away. I, I wouldn't want to hide it, and that's part and parcel of being a, a public figure. Yeah. Like, obviously, it, it doesn't compare to the same level. But around Mansfield, I'm quite known mm-hmm. around Mansfield Town fans because I do yeah. the podcast. I've done yeah, commentary yeah. and stuff, so people will come up to me at, at games, and or in, te- or in Tesco or yeah. in town, and say like, "Hey, up, Craig," and I've got no idea who they are. Uh-huh. I might have seen the face and they'll want to have a conversation about the game. And that's great. But sometimes I'm like, I've had a really crap day at work. I just want to run into Asda, 
grab some bread and run home. <laughs> yeah. But you feel like you've got to take that time. So if you magnify that to these millions of followers that she's got, and and base it on the fact that this is her job, and if one person says she was really, really rude, that that one person might not affect anything, but also they might, and that's a risk you've got to take. So I can completely understand why that paranoia set set in your head. So we'd we'd always oblige and let them take... In fact, we'd rather they talk to us and get a selfie rather than do like a sneaky in fact sometimes like in nando's there's a sneaky pictures that got us nearly <laughs> caught getting the selfie we'd allow it but then we tell them we say we're on hunted can you like please post it like in a couple of days but we're or, like at least like tomorrow but not not today so at least i think i hope people sort of abided by that yeah yeah we're like when it comes to that sort of thing as, as well like how much of of that did you actually get like wherever you went was it literally every single time or was it just the more populated places so interesting i think saffron and i combining us in a strange way was not a good call in terms of we have different fan bases so it means that there's more people that are aware of us so saffron any young person under like 21 22 between the 14 to 21 22 and they're very active and social pretty much anywhere we went she gets spotted for myself, if we left the sort of major young people areas and went to places where there were older people who are 50, I would get spotted. Like my quiz fans and game show fans <laughs> and people that watch BBC Breakfast. So between the two of us, we ended up covering all, all the all the lots of people. But I think with my fans, as it were, they're less likely to post on social media. They'll come up and say, oh, really enjoyed your maths explanation on uh, probability on BBC Breakfast. And they'll say that and they'll leave. Uh, where Saffron fans would always want a picture. Oh, it's, it, it is quite weird to think about that. And the whole Nando's thing, <laughs> I completely feel you. You've obviously listened to the episodes. I had that of the, like about probably a year ago. Yes, I remember you mentioning. Very, very weird and strange. So I suppose when you're in that thing of being on the run as well, you are, you know, you're already walking around the streets looking for CCTV. You, and then if you spot people and they're just sort of like there with the phone, just sort of like, just like, Oh uh, yeah, in Nando's we spotted that. Like a couple of people opposite us, we saw their phones come up, and they're like, just like, like ah oh, no. And at that stage, you're like, we should have gone up to them and said, do you want to get a picture? But yeah, I think we're just focused on eating the food because I think maybe a, a couple of days before that, Saffron and I just shared a sandwich. We had yeah. one sandwich between the two of us. That was terrible. So we were hungry, and again, money was tight at that stage. Hence, you know, why my chip stealing. Uh, that was not the camera. I needed some food, and I wanted to keep my budget down. That's a good point to talk about. So obviously, budget-wise, we know like in Australian hunter, for example, they get given five hundred dollars, and that's yeah. it. Whereas in the UK, one at times, um, we've it, it's varied. Um, there was one series where they had like the set one, but then was it Daniel and the PT instructor, the one that they won just it? went and got their own money? Like it's yeah. never really explained whether you're using your own money or whether you're given money because we just see them turn up and get money from places. But I'm guessing with this, you talking about being low on budget and stuff, you couldn't just use your own No, so the rules are everyone's given a small amount of cash, like £50 and a £50 cash card. The cash obviously is safe, but the cash card, unless you're trying to lure the hunters in, yeah. as soon as you use a cash card, they're coming coming through for you um 
you can borrow money of people along the way. Like I think the one that we saw in the series was Alison Hammond having oh, yeah. hundred in each. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's the maximum limit amount you can borrow. But again, this is all money that you're borrowing, so you have to pay it back. So as soon as again, I, I've got my uh, my uh, hunted bum bag. Ah, is this the first? Have you looked in this since you've been on the show? No. So I've actually got, weirdly enough, in the corner of my room, I've got my backpack that I bought specifically for Hunted with all my Hunted stuff. I keep saying I'll pack it away, but it's not. And my bum bag. And inside it, here's some random things. Here have I got. I've got a... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A catapult. I don't know why, but like if we were camping and they're like little critters, the creatures, or for the hunters. Yeah. It's a uh, different catapult. A uh, travel spoon. Yeah. Uh, matching set. This is my bag. Uh, a torch. A night torch. Very important. A uh, Swiss Army knife, just like in case we need to open like a tin of beans on the run. Um, a compass, which we did use. Because we're trying to get oh, north or west, we did use the compass, the actual compass. A few I times. wouldn't know like how I I just get so confused because you know when you get it on your phone and you just like I'd be sat here now and be pointed like north and I'd just move this way slightly and then it'd move and I'd be like, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be able to use it. It would I would snap it. I would throw it into the hedges. Oh uh, yeah, so this was very very helpful. And then I had a little notepad which I would note down addresses, um, contacts. Um, even like I'd plan little maps, little routes. Um, oh, like, awesome. Yeah. So this little notebook here and also the money I borrowed of people. So I would remember to return it back. And have you? Yes. In the day after, because I, I used to work in banking and if you don't honor your debts, the worst thing as a friend, you know, when you borrowed money of someone or someone's borrowed money of you and you feel terrible reminding them. But yeah. they'll always remember. So, like, I made sure that as soon as I got back, I paid back people like Giuseppe and Verona and Johnny Ball. And one thing that didn't get shown is, and we, we plan again, we can discuss it, we planned a heist, a sort of um, uh, forage on the hunters with uh, Sean Wallace from The Chase. Ah, yeah. Kind of sabotaging the hunters. We chickened out in the last minute, but that was... a. Uh, Something that didn't get shown. We we can't leave that there. You're going to have no. to tell us all about the, the, this plan with the Dark Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. So Sean's actually a friend of mine uh, through quizzing. Yeah. I, I was I was going to do Celebrity Mastermind um, on England at World Cups, and I knew that he'd won the civilian, like the proper hard one. Yes. Uh, and football was his topic. Proper hard one. Because I'll be honest, a celebrity one, no disrespect to celebrities, 
all the questions, but they the celebrities aren't as quizzy as real people, yeah. and the questions are toned down in difficulty as well. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that Sean was an expert on football, so I got him to help me prep for that. Um, so like he was one of my contacts in the rum. So when we went to visit him, our plan was to lure the hunters in. So we were going to get Sean or someone to do a fake site reporting of Saffron and Bobby, which they did. And we were waiting in a house opposite, ready with maple syrup, eggs and flour. And we were going to go and absolutely destroy. Okay, not vandalize because this show, you can't break the law. Yeah. yeah. Always, you can't, like, we can't like smash their windows. And tire letting, we know that Johnny Mercer done it before. So we wanted yes. something more spectacular. So we got the maple syrup, got the flour, got the eggs all ready. But then we chickened out in the last minute because we thought, what if two hunter cars turn up? Because we saw the hunters go into Sean Wallace's house. But then what if there's another car parked up on either side of the road? Yes. We come out, we're caught. And we're like, ah, oh, we chickened out and we left and we abandoned it. Oh, good. I'd have loved to have seen that. I mean, even if you'd have got caught, I think that would have been like obviously we'll talk about your your capture soon, but even if you'd have got caught by doing that on like day three, I think you'd have gone down in like it would have been so much better than the eat here. Oh yeah, you'd have absolutely smashed those been. two at the park. Yeah. Because they would have they couldn't have done anything because legally they can't drive if their car is maple syruped and flowered up. They'd have to wait. Oh, foot chase, but hopefully they would have, yeah, not seen us. But we just thought at the moment we were like, we're gonna do this. We kept on saying, Are we gonna do this? We're like, yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. We're in the house opposite. And we saw um, the hunters go in and we're like, now's the moment, do we do it? And then we're like, we can't, what if literally on either side of the road, it would be game over if we, so we're like, ah, oh, let's just get out of here. So obviously at the time you didn't know who the hunters were, but you know who they are now, having yeah. worked with them and seen them. So who was it that was uh, going to potentially be maple syruped, egged and flowered? Oh. Because if it was this guy, you obviously know that there'd have been no danger whatsoever <laughs> and you'd have got clean away. Sorry, Jordan. Yeah. So to be honest, maybe in the heat of the moment, we couldn't tell who they were. We just saw the their camera crew come out. We saw the the, the black vest go in. And again, we were just like trying to peek through. Well, so we like, I think again, it's weird how when you're panicking, your mind and your, your sight, all your vision. So to this day, I should actually ask JP, which of the hunters were there yeah. and questioning Sean. So I actually don't know. Uh, maybe it's Jordan, in which case I should have given, I should have given it a go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless. We need to find out that information yeah, and we need, we, need to, we need to do some digging on that, don't yeah. we? Um, shall we move on a little bit? So um, we've obviously uh, spoken a lot about the ambulance. I just want to touch on one more thing on yeah. the ambulance. Obviously, you know, you reversed into um, a, a post. <laughs> Was there an insurance claim on that? Okay, so let me go through the situation. So Saffron drives regularly, but she couldn't find her license in time for the show. And obviously the show has to follow the rules. If yeah. someone can't find a license, then even if they are a driver, they, they can't drive for the show. I have a license, but honestly, the only time I drive is for television shows. I have I know Monkman and Seagull Genius Guides, two road trip shows on the BBC Two. And Eric Monkman only drives in Canada, so I had to drive the show for the car for that. And I drove for Celebrity Antiques Road Trip. But I don't drive in the real world. I don't drive in real life, only for a camera. I don't drive when I'm being chased either. So, and also the ambulance is massive. I've driven... I drive like Nissan Micras at my mum's one and a Mini Cooper, which I did for my road trip show. Not a great big, and that's not a prop yet, but it's a huge car. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit like, again, there's no GPS. So we're just following the road signs to where we want to get. So we're like, so we, we, we got lost a few times. <laughs> and I'm not, I've never been good at like 
reverse parking, all this sort of stuff. And it was and it was quite funny because remember when I was going backwards, like why is that beeping sound? And by the time Saffron told me, little thud, and obviously I'm like, I think I swore. I think I swore twice in the season. See, see <laughs> the car and the the final sequence, chase sequence. We went out and checked it. It was a flesh wound. Nothing happened. It was like we we, we checked. Like it got a little bump, but there's not even a visible scratch. So no ambulances were harmed in filming. <laughs> Very good to know, isn't yeah. it? Very good to know. Um, yeah. Um, we've got a whole. We've let you in behind this. <laughs> Somebody got a little bit bored yesterday while I was doing my Mansfield podcast and sort of sat and did oh. a load of questions, which we've been slowly ticking off and slowly going through. But I'm at a, I'm lost. I can't remember what we said two minutes ago, so I'm at a loss of what was asked. So okay, I'm, I'm just going to just... ask something that I want to know. Go on um, you went to Nando's. Oh yeah. Did you get to eat your Nando's? All of it. I I I, I finished my Nando's. And my family were laughing at me because they know that we go to Nando's quite regularly, at least once every fortnight. So they're like, of course, Bob's going to go to Nando's. And I know Saffron's a fan as well. So of course I had to go there. Um, but yeah, like, again, we were like eating and trying to keep a head down, but I finished my meal. So I didn't sure. leave anything on the plate because food is one of those things where on Hunted, you never know where you're going to end up. You never know when your next meal is going to be. So if you get a meal, you need to make sure you eat as much of it as you can. How do you prepare for that? Because we, we've seen people take snacks in bags and things like that and, and go and risk it by going into shops to get something every single day. How do you prepare for that mindset of all I might have to eat for the next three days is a packet of custard creams? It, it's, to be honest, it's, it's one of the things that I didn't think about before the show. So when I was speaking to um, two future people that will be on next year's Celebrity Hunted, I was on the train back from Cambridge last night and they they gave me a call to ask for some advice. Um, I told them about be prepared that food might be a tricky thing because I never anticipated. I sort of thought, ah, oh, I've got my stuff, I've got my kit, I've got our plan. You don't never think about when am I going to eat next? Um, but it slowly became apparent as the days progressed, that's always going to be an issue. So the thing that Safran and I did was every time we'd visit someone, we'd ask them, is there anything you can give us, like some biscuits or yeah. some snacks? You'd always rely on the generosity of either friends or strangers. Yeah, it, it's quite funny to, to, to think that. Obviously, you can't tell us who they are whilst we're recording. We'll get it out of you afterwards. <laughs> um, we won't share it. Uh, but... You had a list of contacts which you shared with us when you were going through your bag and everything. Mm. Are you going to put yourself forward to be on their list of contacts, or is it a fact that now you've done the show, you can't get yeah, involved? Yeah, this is one. Is somebody come back? No. It's not entirely clear. Um, I would be happy to be someone's support in future, but I think they might not allow people back on. If you've done one celebrity season or even a civilian one, um, you're not necessarily. I think because you you know too much about the game. Yeah. 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 There. No, that makes sense. But if I did again, one thing is if I did it a second time, I would be a lot savvier. All the little mistakes that we made, we wouldn't make the same mistakes. So if, in a bizarre way, if I could get like an identity change, like like a Mission Impossible stylist, like get my ears changed, my eyebrows plucked, and dye my hair, I reckon I could win or get very far in the civilian one now. Yeah, absolutely. So I've just noticed five things which we've not brought up yet. So let's <laughs> let's go through them. Okay. Uh, let's start with with going back to uni so obviously that's where we actually started to see a lot more of you guys and where you mentioned earlier you were you know very very close to being caught and things like that at what point you did you decide 
I want to go back to, to uni. I want to reach out and get the support network there. And then at what point did you think, actually, that's a really bad idea? <laughs> so I think it was a case of we'd exhausted Saffron's contact list at that stage. Um, we'd gone through a couple of my contacts, but in that area, I had the closest contacts. And I got Cambridge isn't too far away. I know that because of university challenge, obviously, one, I can go back to my college, but B, because I was a BNOC, I think I was either fifth or seventh, big name on campus. <laughs> um, uh, funnily enough, when JP, JP's one of the, the hunters, uh, he sent me through this, sorry, Jordan t-shirt that I'm wearing that listeners can't see, but sorry, Jordan t-shirt. He actually wrote Bobby Beanock Seagull on the envelope. Oh, brilliant. What a guy. I love JP. He's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And of course, you know, the top ground hunter of this, this hunter, series. Yeah. Four and a half catches. We'll give him the half because, you know, he did sort of lure you. We won't talk about that just yet. Yeah. So, um, so Cambridge, I thought, okay, one, my college would be definitely a place I could go, but I'd back myself in Cambridge to almost find anyone that would somehow let me in because even if they didn't know who I was, I could say, ah, I was captain of the, the Cambridge University Challenge Team for Emmanuel. I'm on the run. I reckon I could blag a house anywhere in Cambridge within reason. Um, and when we walked into the college, genuinely complete coincidence, the first person we bump into is the reverend or dean of the college, Jeremy Caddick, lovely man, I know quite well. And I was like, how is it possible that it's Jeremy Caddick, the reverend? And because obviously if I'd gone to the porters, the people that sort of man and look after the college like security wise, if I'd asked them, they'd need to get permissions from people like, can Bobby stay here? But I literally met the person I would need to ask permission for. Yeah, he could overrule everyone. He said, look, he is, you know, number four Beanock. He is... Yeah. He's number five. No, I'm not that good. Number five. Number five. five. Sorry, I got my math wrong. Bad math. <laughs> math, math, math. Yeah, I'll tell you about that later. Um, let's let's move on to, from... So from university to... Uh, um, to... Sleeping naked. Why on oh, earth no. would you sleep with no clothes on in a stranger's house? No. Okay. I always shower before bed, so I'm always clean. That's just one thing. I always, <laughs> I'm more, I'm a shower morning and night kind of person, and I never used to be. Again, it's one of the things where I thought in the privacy of my own bedroom I would be fine. It's never <laughs> gonna be filmed anything because I'm now in a little safe zone. I shut the door. I actually read a book that night. I think a book about ikigai, like a Japanese um, philosophy, by the bedside. I, I love reading, so I spent. I, I think I read for two hours. So I went to bed. Uh, I showered very clean, but I didn't expect Saffron to come. I, it was the night or the morning, but Saffron would come maybe in the morning and just crept up and yeah. I mean, the Saffron and I, yeah, we're like big brother, little sister sort of vibe. Yeah. We have we get yeah. on really well. Um, so we played little pranks on each other along the way, a lot of you know poking fun at each other. Yeah. But that was unexpected. And the way I think about it is because obviously it's not good having bits exposed on TV. <laughs> But I did not do anything. It was it was thrust upon me, as it were, the issue. So How I'm did, innocent. Did she just strike lucky, or did she know that you? I were... think she struck. I think she struck lucky because if it was a cold night, I would have worn boxers or a t-shirt. But I think it was, you know, it's like again one of those boiling nights, yeah. absolutely baking. Yeah. So she got lucky, you know, lucky or unlucky, depending on whatever you want to say. But yeah, it was a coincidence that she 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 had no idea. I mean, we've not watched the end of the Netflix show, but maybe you should have showed those clips on the dates and maybe, you know, that... No, they're going to be like, Bobby's a bit more... <laughs> the more adventurous... I've got an adventurous side. <laughs> we'll go from adventurous to Totsimosh, and that is, of yeah. course, 
the decision to split. The only pair that actually decided to split yeah. this year, Ed and James got split um, when they ran. Nicola and Nikesh obviously were split when they started because of the COVID situation. And then split again. And then split again. Um, but you made the conscious decision to split. Was that paranoia? Was that part of the game? Or was there a little bit of word in your ear of you guys need to split now? Now, to, to be honest, like when we got to day eight, nine, ten, about eight, nine, we were thinking about we're really getting close to the end. We'd put, you know, we'd set ourselves little targets, get to three days, get to five days, get to halfway. And then once we got to halfway, we're like, actually, we could win this. And again, we had no idea how the other fugitives are doing. But at day nine, ten, from watching the show, we know that at that stage, at least two, possibly three pairs of fugitives have been caught. And it, and it did turn out to be that that three pairs were caught by, I think, day nine or 10, um, or day 11, rather. And we were thinking, if we want to win, if we stick together, we're, we're getting lots of attention because Saffron won for a social media, me, my older fan base. We thought, if we one of us wants to win, between the two, if we want one of us to win, if we split and part ways, I think it might be my suggestion, if we part ways, we maximize the chance of one of us making it to the end. And maybe both of us meet at the end somehow on the same field. And funny enough, on the last morning, I had, I maybe, I think I hallucinated. I swear I saw Saffron on the field. Obviously, I didn't. I, there were other people that I just imagined. <laughs> um, and it was very tough because you are, you're so, in fact, I've never had an experience where you're so confined with someone yeah. for nine, 10, 11 days. And to be honest, not just Saffron, but the camera crew. So to be honest, I was quite upset at leaving my camera crew, Carl, lovely man. Uh, and in fact, I had allowed Saffron to, some of that, that kind of nice guy, I told Saffron that she could have our existing camera crew. So I picked up the camera crew of, I think it might've been Ed and James. Yeah. So they had Ed and James earlier on and then they, they were sort of moving and then they picked me up in the last few days. Um, did they did they give you any inside intel that that Ed and James had been caught or were you no they, they didn't have been caught they, the thing is I knew they were Ed and James's camera crew because we met all the camera crew oh, of the different people on yeah. day one so I knew aha they were probably gone unless it was like a big like hoodwink conspiracy so I thought yeah. they were gone but they couldn't give me any information on what happened who got caught um, but it was I, I definitely felt the emotion was real. Um, because I'm not an actor, I don't know how to put on fake tears. Although as a teacher, I know how to put on a fake stern face because I'm smiling and you need to put on a fake stern face. But I think <laughs> at that moment, I was like, okay, let's not do anything. Let's not let's not feel, you know, it's going to be on television. But yeah. suddenly I felt my myself like breaking and cracking a bit. It's like, oh, God, I've, seen Sa I've been with Saffron for the whole journey. When we entered, we said we will stick together right to the end. And then yeah. I sort of like pushed us towards that decision. But I think Saffron, she understood why it was probably a good thing to do to give us to maximize our chances. Uh, but I was, yeah. And I remember at that moment, Saffron had gone to the bathroom, probably just in the bushes. And it was then when she'd gone, I started thinking about, I'm going to miss her. I'm going to miss the team. I started tearing up. And when she came back, I was like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop tearing. And then she came like, oh, Bobby. I'm like, oh no, this is gone. I'm gone. Aww. It was, yeah, it was, it was a really cute moment, a really poignant moment because you just sort of, it show it, it's really funny the parallels what's shown on screen because you just trot off down the road and you I'm going this way and then Saffron just said like I don't know where to go now and I just felt really sorry for it at that point and I don't know it it's an interesting one because obviously 
you, we sort of wrote down, didn't we? And we, we discussed all the way through about as a pair, you were more like the logical one and mm. you sort of did a lot of the thinking. Yeah. And it felt like from what we saw on screen that a lot of the planning and direction came from you. So when she was put in a, a situation on her own, exposed, after all of that time away, being so close to the end and all of that stuff, we did wonder how she, she'd cope. Yeah, we did. And we did maybe see a little bit of vulnerability when she was in the, the, the guy's back garden yeah. and things like that as mm. well. But. And we also saw um, two completely different bodies from the end of episode five. Oh, yeah. Are you okay? The start of episode six, we went from an emotional scene to mental breakdown i want to say <laughs> box on your head riding a horse i think it's because for the for, for the 11 days before you always have someone i had saffron to talk to every decision i make as a team we would i would say saffron here's some options which one do you think is most sensible so i talk it through where now suddenly i've lost my my, my, my partner in crime and <laughs> I think I slightly, the first little moment, I think I did go a bit loopy. I was just like, ooh, a bit delirious. It was hot, didn't have much water. And I found a box. <laughs> um, and I actually thought, okay, there's a camera crew with me. If I put a box on my head, people might think it's a documentary. Whereas if somebody <laughs> put me the camera crew, and they're like, oh, but what's, what's that the guy from university? And what's he doing there? Let's find out. And then people might like rat, rat on me as it were. But if I put a box on my head, no one's gonna know who I am. They just see an Asian guy that you know they might call like the police like to section this person, but there's a camera crew. So it was legitimately like a avoidance technique as well. Oh, it's it's yeah. I mean, it, to be honest, it didn't come across like an avoidance technique. It came across like you were having a full-on breakdown. <laughs> you know, context of the show. <laughs> context of the show. Um Obviously, as you get towards the end, you've split up and you've had one partner in crime in Saffron Barker and then you meet another partner in crime in Agent Annie. Oh. Where did you meet Agent Annie? And are you still in touch with Agent Annie? Yes, we're WhatsApp buddies. Um, oh! We're still friends. Actually, I, I, owe Agent, I told Agent Annie I'd send her a couple of copies of my book, um, my, my maths book for, I think her, her daughter's a maths teacher. And then my quiz book for her as well. So Agent Annie, if you listen to this, you will get those books very soon. So I'm still in touch Aww. with Agent Annie. Um, but I, I, I'd gone somewhere near northwestish London, um, and literally the first door I knocked on. Hi, my name is Bobby. I know who you are. I watch you on TV. Oh, you do? Oh, I'm on. I'm on uh, hunting. I'm on the run. Come in. Come in. Come in. Get in. Get in. Agent Annie was brilliant. She was brilliant. She just fully like. She's been waiting for this moment. I think. <laughs> Is that when you went to leave, and she was like, "I've, I've arranged you a safe house. I'm going to make sandwiches." Yes, she's like, very. She's, We've done this bit right now. We need sandwiches. Is it daunting going in, going and knocking on doors, and sort of that thing with strangers? Because I'd hate to do it. I'd fear the rejection. I think it's one where practicality overcomes the fear of rejection. Because in the first few days, what you didn't see is that, again, one stage, Saffron and I camped, and it was horrible, because I'd forgotten my camp, my tent. I don't know how I did that. My bag was massively packed, and I maybe just in the heat at the moment, I left it behind somewhere. Um, so we had a small one-person tent between the two of us, and it was just not comfortable at all. Um, 
and neither of us wanted to camp ever again. Neither of us are camping type people. Yeah. So, and one of the reasons we ended up camping was that we were too scared to not scared. We knocked on a couple of doors that night um, that we'd camped and we sort of said, oh, is there any space here? And then people said, oh, sorry, we're really full. And then I thought in future, I will keep, you know, you know, people say, no, you can keep asking second and third time. You know, like the telephone callers that try and sell you something. And yeah. they've been asked, like, I think one of my friends had done that for a job and they've been told you're meant to get three rejections before you accept this rejection. And the same thing with the door knocking. I learned over time that ask people three times. They say no three times, that word, then it means a no. But the first no is just like, they need a bit of persuasion. Yeah. yeah, and he was like a welcome in. But there were other times I stayed with people with Saffron by myself that they sort of said, "Oh, it's really tricky." I'm like, "Oh, you sure there's nothing you can do?" That? Oh, not really. I'll be I'll be homeless otherwise. And like, "Oh, come in, come on in." Um, so yeah, it, it is tricky. But the more you do it, the more comfortable we become at that skill. It's just a shame about Agent and his neighbour, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That was a complete fluke because had we not left the door unlocked, I think in our sort of just getting out of the house, we left the door unlocked. Yeah. And in fact, the reason I called it Agent Annie is I'm still convinced she's a spy because Agent <laughs> Annie, since the 70s or 60s, she's been in computer programming. So like probably one of the like former, one of the yeah. first women programmers in the UK. Wow. And she's like super smart, like a super intelligent woman. And she reads, she's got so much knowledge. I'm convinced that like she's definitely like in the Cold War. She was some sort of spy for the U for the UK for the UK, but she yeah. was some sort of spy. Oh, brilliant! So funny. Uh, we'll talk about um, extraction in just a second, but we have been asking people on social media for some questions, yes. so we're going to go through a few of them. Uh, and the first one is from your friend of mine. It's from uh, JP, <laughs> who asks, "How long are Mel's arms in real life?" They are, they stretch from here approximately to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> they are so long. Again, if it was, if Mel had shorter arms, I would have evaded it. His bloody long arms. Lovely man, but his arms are just too long. <laughs> Maybe he needs to do a little bit more bobbing and weaving. Yeah. Um, Isabel asks, how did you feel when you saw no one else running towards the extraction? So weirdly enough, I don't think I knew there was no one there till I got caught. Because when I was hiding and staking out the, the site, I thought I saw the speakers. I saw two people with blonde hair walking a dog. And I was convinced. I was telling my cameraman, the speakers. And he was like, can't say anything. I thought the speakers were there. And I thought I saw Saffron as well. And I don't think these are hallucinations. I saw people. But in the approach there, I was convinced other people had survived. Yeah. Uh, Daisy from Hunted HQ um, asks, were there any funny bits that didn't make the edit which you wished had had made the edit? Ah, oh, so I think with those, definitely the one with Giuseppe uh, making the Lisa you tart. It was a tart for Lisa, that's what it was. And the Sean Wallace um, near attempt, it would have been one of the greatest moments in Celebrity Hunted, how we pulled it off, but we just chickened out in the last minute. Oh, dear. Well, it's time to open old wounds, I'm afraid. Oh, We've no. put it off for as, for as long as we can. Oh, no. It's time to talk extraction. So you wake up on day 14. How are you feeling at this point? And where are you more specifically on day 14? So day 14, I'm quite, I'd stayed again with another random family. I knocked on a door 
and they had no idea it was, but I was like, oh, I'm on hunted. Okay, here's this. What, what are the odds of this happening? The house I knocked on, so I think one of the people, that the, the, the husband of the household, I think he was a fireman. He said that the Speakmans, by complete coincidence, had contacted him a few days before to try and organize some sort of fire truck movement. Just literally, he, they didn't know him in real life, just a complete coincidence. I'm gonna ask them about this as well. So he thought, this is a stitch up, this is a fix. I'm like, it's not a fix. I, I have no idea. I don't know how they contacted you. But he was like, this is not possible. This is not happening. Maybe which is why they didn't show it because it would make it look like it's a scripted show. Yeah. If the same person is contacted twice by two different fugitives by complete complete coincidence. The first door I knocked on happened to be the house. Um, so I stayed there overnight. It was a few, only a few miles away from Headcorn Abbey and the family organized to get me a lift near to Headcorn in the morning. Um, but that night, that morning, I think um, I had sort of, I was practicing my stretching, my uh, crawling and the dog, I think you saw one of the scenes. Yeah. Uh, my crawling, the dog just came out of nowhere. Like it came in there. Oh my God. Well, what's it? And it came and licked my face for a bit, which is cute, but annoying. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you wake up, you, you've gone to the, the point. So now you're hours away or, or whatever. How long are you waiting out? You've got your Sharpie on your face, your wall paint, uh, which must have taken about four days to come oh, off. God, yeah, it, it, it took a long time. <laughs> um, so you've got your wall paint on. How long are you waiting before you decide this is the moment? So we were told, or I was told, the plane would arrive in time for one o'clock on that day. So if you turn up earlier, you're exposed on the field. And, you know, you could get spotted by the helicopters, anything. Again, I didn't know where the hunters were. So strategically, some people said, oh, Bob, you should have left early and staked out the site. But if, you, if you're staying right on the site, if the hunters come by, they'll see you and, and just like literally block you from getting on the plane. Um, obviously, and I have no idea where the hunters are. So my plan was to leave as little a gap between one o'clock and myself leaving so that it would be a straight run onto the plane. Again, when I saw the plane, approaching so about a few minutes before one o'clock i'm like okay i'm gonna make my make a little jog towards it and when i saw the plane landing i'm like okay now that's the moment to like push jump over the fence make a dash for it but i couldn't see the hunters at that stage i had no idea where they were and again well for all i knew that they could you know they could have been like a mile away uh, it could have been jordan running like you know 100 meters behind me but it wasn't that wow and then obviously you know you, you do start running across the field at what point are you aware of JP, Mel, Jordan, and Shaz circling like oh. almost like vulture seagulls? Yeah. You know, oh. the type of seagulls you get at the seaside that spots your chips from a mile away and thinks I'm having them. Yeah. So yeah. at first I saw no one. And then suddenly I see like a black t-shirt. In fact, the reason I wore black, all black on the final day was so that if the hunters did see me, they might think, oh, that's another uh, hunter. It was meant to be a disguise or a decoy. Again, it wouldn't be a decoy for long, but that half a second confusion could have saved me. So I thought, wear a similar outfit to them. So I was running and then I saw, again, at the time I didn't know, I saw JP. I'm like, and I think I swore. I think I said <laughs> F-C-U-K. As a teacher, again, my students, if you're listening to this, Mr. Seagull does not advocate swearing. This was an accidental heat of the moment. And that's when I, I was like, yeah, I swore twice. I swore ambulance reversing. And when I saw JP, I'm like, FC UK. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not advocating French Connection UK either. I'm not, or other <laughs> acceptable products. I saw him 
I was like, oh no. And then in the corner of my eye, I could see Mel and I sort of saw Shaz and Jordan jumping over. And I'm like, Pan that's why people are wondering, why am I doing a weird run? Why not? Because there were some other hunters coming in another direction. So I was like, this is not looking good. But I think is, I'm a good runner. I'm part of running clubs. I would back myself on a one-on-one -on -one with most hunters, just a straight race. But this, you had 14 days. I'd been you know, on the road, emotionally and physically broken. I'd already run for a few minutes and, the, and I had no idea, no idea where the hunters are running from. And I got past, sort of like angled my way from JP. And I was like, Mel is there. I can see the plane. I can see the other two running from behind another direction. I, I reckon if I get past Mel, and in that moment, I'm like, I can see Mel. And I, and I was trying to decide, do I go left or right? Do I dive down? And it was just all in the heat of the moment. And then suddenly I was trying to duck under his arm and the long arm of the law came. Bosh. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. It's interesting this because, you know, it's again, it's one of those rules which maybe need to be outlined because it was so narrow. At what point are you actually captured? Is it when they get a tag on or is it when they say, Bobby, you have been hunted, your time on the run is over? So technically it is the second when they have you in custody. But as part of the rules of the game, we're not allowed to resist arrest. Yeah. If you are like in real life, if I was a real fugitive. Oh yeah. Not that I could do much to Mel anyway, like six foot four and I'm five five. So I couldn't do anything, I couldn't do anything to Mel. But by the way, had... those rules of the game, sorry to interrupt, those rules of the game have been added in later because in the very first series, the very first capture in Mansfield, yeah. um, in our hometown, um, didn't go as smoothly as you saw, according to the, the two hunters that uh, that captured them. And there was oh. certainly a few in the early see, series. You even see with that first capture they are angry and trying yeah. to get away and telling them to stop touching them. Yeah. So that's obviously something that's been added in later oh, on. And it, it wasn't even under grand on the line in that series. It was more of a battle of power oh, of the state. It was, it was I like that. That yeah. makes so much sense because we were told if you're if you're tapped on the shoulder and told your time in the run is over, that is it, that's done for you. So as soon as you're pulled out, so when I was pulled down in theory, I could have yeah, I could have squirmed maybe, but um, no, I think that was. Uh, I generally thought, like, when I didn't see any, I didn't see any hunters on the field for a second. And I was, I was like, am I going to make a clear run to the plane? So for like, just for like a maybe ten seconds, I thought I'm going to make it. Wow. How many seconds or minutes away were you? Did anyone tell you then? Because you don't have. I, I think you sometimes you're allowed to watch. Sometimes you. I, I always keep my stopwatch on me. So the plane pretty much left like 30 maybe 30 seconds after i got caught so if wow. i'd managed to evade mel but here's the problem because the hunters had managed to secure work out the location pretty much the same time i was getting there it was uh the the odds were against me at that stage it was very tricky yeah yeah it's it's, it's a difficult one to sort of comprehend i mean we sort of made a little bit of a joke out of it you know like four hunters plus minus one bobby was game over or whatever yeah. little equation joke math joke uh but it, it is difficult but you know you didn't know on the day how they found out you were there mm. only this time last week in fact pretty much this time last week we were recording the final episode yeah. um it's only this time last week where you would have found out that eva let it slip 
Uh, I actually had a chat with Eva, and again, Eva and Nick, they're both so lovely people. They will never intentionally do anything to jeopardize anyone else's chances. I think it's one of those things in the heat of the moment. And at that stage, I think they were caught maybe a couple of hours before extraction. And at, uh, so in the last few days, they'd put up wanted posters, I think for Katia and Amy, but they pulled it. They had posters yeah. of myself and Saffron, and they pulled the posters. So I mm. think they might have assumed that we were caught at that stage. And with a couple of hours to go, they might have thought we're the last ones. Uh, they're really gutted. So I think it's one of those things in the heat of the moment um, they said. But I think maybe the Speakmans might tell you later. I think the hunters had, using another source, potentially worked out that it's that site. So yeah. Eva, whether whether Eve had said it or not, I think they might have been onto it. Well, they narrowed it down to, they, they obviously knew the area, um, mm. and they narrowed it down to three, three or four possibilities. And then, so it was basically guesswork. And I think what they would have done was sent like two grand teams to one, two grand teams to the other, and I then think just they might have done that. Three. I think if I, one of the hunters had told me that some of them had gone to another one. Just in uh, case. Just yeah. in case it was a, a deliberate uh, misdirection or whatever. But So the game's over. You watch the, the plane fly away. Uh, obviously, you get a picture on it afterwards and it lands back and you have... It comes back it. down, yeah. yeah. Was there anything reshot in that final ending? So obviously, you see a nice shot of you running across. And I know that some parts of captures are reshot because the camera crew sometimes aren't yeah quick, quick enough. But um, was was there anything that was... The, yeah, the so I think that's there? a fair question to ask. Because again, what I would say, so people would say a staged, not staged. On that final morning, I want to make the plane. But they did reshoot a couple of the things because they want to recapture, like me. Okay, everything in the bushes, they didn't reshoot. It might've been the last bit where, like, for example, when I'm on the floor, yeah. they wanted to reshoot it to get more of my facial expression or the hunters yeah. lording it. But it's, um, for anyone that has any sort of doubt about the authenticity of the show, it, it's, yeah, what yeah. happened has happened. Maybe they got me to, to, to jump over that fence again. Too much, they didn't, they didn't the fence, not even jump over the fence. But I think just a couple of shots refilm yeah. it. But it was authentic to the lived experience of yeah. how the close actual, it was. And yeah, absolutely. And the actual capture was the actual capture and things like that. Because, uh, one thing they captured they didn't show us. So at the time they actually got me on. I, so I didn't meet Lisa Thika at all. But they got me on phone to Lisa Thika after us. After us caught captured yeah. got me on the phone and they decided not to use that footage but they lisa's like oh well done you had a great game but we got you in the end so that was nice for me yeah to yeah, me yeah we always see that little thing she always has like a little gleeful moment but it cut to obviously a really emotion the way they shot it and, and filmed obviously you did you get to see it before it went out because obviously there was a period of time where the sneaky gets put all six episodes on i watched it all and we were we were going to watch all of them but we were going to watch them like on the Friday, record it over the weekend, then watch it again on the Tuesday. So we were ahead. And then the first week we called it and we were fuming. Oh. We were just about to watch the second one. Yeah. And then it, we got the email we got saying... We got the email saying it had been pulled and we were so annoyed. So did you get to see it? Did you manage to binge watch it before yes. or not? So actually, I, I, before that, I, was, I did listen to your episode one where you said you will watch them all before and live tweet. Um, yeah. But then obviously they pulled it. So I didn't know it was going to be released. I, I, don't, I don't know whether it was intentional, but so JP had messaged me. So I'd, I'd come back from school, I was teaching that day um, and I was visiting a cousin's house. And then JP said, oh, just to let you know, it's all, it's all available in all four. So bless my cousin Cedric. 
uh, I made him sit with me and we watched all six episodes wow. back to back to back because <laughs> I wanted to see what the edit was. Uh, yeah. um, and I'm glad I did it because a week later, you know, a few days later, they pulled it. And again, it's not clear from Channel 4 whether that was an intentional drop of the show. Yeah. I personally think it's better to have it week by week because then there's a real tension building up. Yeah. Um, I do as well. I mean, for us, it was really weird. I'm actually glad in the end that they did because similar to yourself, we actually only started watching it last year, mm. um, which those who listen to the podcast for a while will now know. So we did binge watch all the series like back to back and we never did like review style episodes. We spoke in the first series of the podcast about little things. So things that people have to do. We did a couple of interviews with some, with an ex-fugitive, an ex-hunter. We talked about like the human kindness things. We had a horrendous experience when we went to London once, which tied nicely into an episode. Um, but we'd never had that thing of watching it week by week. Mm. And I think our initial plan to sort of like binge watch it, we said we don't want to binge watch it in one clump because when we come to watch it again and record the podcast, we don't give any spoilers away because we would mm. um, by accident or whatever if we did binge watch it in a block. So we said we'd watch it before. And then when they pulled it, actually, it, it was nice to watch it week by week. But the last two, not... Episode four and five caused a bit of a nightmare. So Mansfield were playing away in Newport in Wales for episode four, but I didn't go. Uh, but okay. I watched the Mansfield game first, but it was also the same week where the, where Danny Dyer locked people in a dark room. Oh, gosh, so, they moved out to 10 o'clock, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I managed to watch it. Just we, we put it on all four at nine, and I managed to watch it about five minutes ahead. So it was perfect for after the game. The week after, we had a, another game, but we were at home, which is about 10 minutes away. Fortunately, we were losing in like the last 10 minutes and playing rubbish. So I left early and managed to get back. Um, but Nat had watched it at nine and I was going to watch it at 10 when it went on all four and watch it. And then it didn't go on straight no, away. It, we were refreshing and refreshing. It wasn't there. And we could, you don't get Channel 4 plus one. No, we work. cheat. We just pay for Sky Stream because it's On our Sky. Cheap. Yeah. So we were sat there for ages like we could can't do it and we started to plan a video that we were going to record and started to record it and just as Craig was scrolling down all it, four, it appeared and it was just like oh it was one of the funniest things we, 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 we've done but it was like <laughs> we never released the footage I think we ended up deleting oh. it but it was so frustrating so we'd watch it at like at nine when it went out we'd sit and make the notes but some like We'd be pausing it at certain bits to write quotes down and then fast-forwarding it through the breaks. I was also trying to tweet, and it just got a little bit hectic. So the first mm. week, I'd planned the tweets, and I just, I'd just i pre-written them, pre-done the gifts and everything, and was just tweeting yeah. as it went out. And then after that, it was quite reactive. And then, yeah, the, the week after, when it got, I was just glad there was no game on the final. Because I think if, genuinely, I think if there'd have been a clash between football in the final I think I just watched the the, the final because I was so invested yeah. at that time so it's yeah it, it's, it's it's good fun there's always a lot there's always been a lot happening but it's been nice to watch it with people what's the reaction been like from friends family public mm. and of course those lovely cherubs who enter your classroom and learn about algorithms oh, yeah they, they um I had students that are not my students in the school saying, oh, Mr. Seagull, I saw you in Hunted. You got caught. Uh, some of them, but most of them have been like, oh, I think they've been genuinely surprised about how far I've got. I think as people see me as, again, I'm a very positive sort of person. 
but people might think positive happy means you're not resilient and you're not determined and strategic so people saw a different side of me um mm -hmm. and i'm glad people did and again if i was if i was caught early days like if i was caught at that pride event then that never would have been seen so i'm glad i got as far as it and interestingly of all the shows i've done this is probably the one that i've I've got like a new fan base now. So like at the West Ham game, I normally get spotted by like quiz fans. But now when I, I went to a game, what was the last game? We were playing, we beat Man United 1-0. And I got spotted by a lot of people. They're like, Bobby, oh, we, we so wanted you to get that plane. So I got that a lot at the West Ham game. So clearly a lot of West Ham fans are celebrity hunted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, brilliant stuff. Um, as we try and wrap this up now then, you've, you're actually now a year on from the experience itself. Yeah. You've just had to relive it from being on the telly. How long did it take you to readjust to normal life after it finished? Because you mentioned earlier about the paranoia. You've lived with mm. that for two weeks. You've been used to slumming it and moving around and being constantly on the go. How long did it take your brain to, uh, to, to settle back into normal life? Or are you still looking over your shoulder thinking, Jordan's behind me? <laughs> okay, so I think the the sense of waking up in a strange bed every day that lasted a good few weeks i'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking where am i not in johnny ball's house am i as in, <laughs> i would genuinely be a bit confused that took a couple of weeks to disappear the black SUV, suvs again the sense of you see them the paranoia that took a, maybe like a month but the helicopters that still to this day, maybe I need to speak to the Speakmans to get some advice. Because if I hear a black helicopter, it immediately brings back Hunted to me still, still to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say is your biggest regret from your time on the run? Oh, that's a really good question. Biggest regret. So if I got caught earlier, I would have said, I wish I'd planned something differently, but at no stage, our gambles like going to visit Saffron Spence and Brighton family, visit my college in Cambridge. We escaped those. So I don't regret that. Maybe on that final run, I think I wish I'd gone a bit closer to where the, where, again, I didn't know exactly where the plane would land. If I'd gone a bit closer and sort of hid myself, maybe wearing green, I don't know what it is, like a, get a piece of cloth, cover myself, and therefore give myself a shorter sprint. So I think because I had quite a long run, a few minutes, I think that worn me down. I got past JP, but I didn't have it, I didn't have much energy left to dart past Mel. So maybe that's my regret, really. I just wish I'd maybe gone a bit closer to the where the plane would have landed, so I could have given it a proper sprint. And of course, we always like to end on a positive. What's the biggest takeaway from uh, the show? What's the, the one thing you look back and think, this has impacted on my life in a positive way. I think I actually mentioned this in the final uh, scene where I'm now put in the car, I'm driving away. I know that I've always been a positive, happy person, but I've never been able to test my resilience in a really unusual circumstance. So I think it's just shown people and myself more importantly, that there is steel under the seagull. That's what I think it showed me. Like, I know that in future situations when, like, I know it's a game, I know it's a television show, but when you're in that situation, you're giving it your all. I know that I've got reserves that I can call upon. Fantastic. Well, we always end on one question, which usually, what is your favourite biscuit? But we we know that I because know that. you revealed that on, uh, on, on your Netflix show. Yeah. Custard yes. Custard cream, wasn't it? Yes, custard cream. cream. But I've got a different question for this week. Come on. 
no favourite, but what's your least favourite biscuit? Oh, actually, do you know what? Ginger snaps annoy me. Okay, what? I'll tell you why, because I feel as if, you know, biscuits normally have like a crumbly, they they crumble. Yeah. Ginger snaps, they're not, they're not, they're just like, they're offensive weapons. (laughs) (laughs) Offensive weapons, sorry. If anyone's a ginger snap, ginger nut fan. Sorry, Prince Harry, but I'm not a fan of ginger nuts. <laughs> Thanks. I thought we were getting really. Oh, no, I realised that. As soon as I was saying, I'm like, ah, you might be ginger as well, Craig. Awkward, yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Bobby, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. Um, yeah. Finally, before we do let you go and enjoy the rest of your night, what one piece of advice? Well, two things. Firstly, what one piece of advice would you give to the next lot of fugitives? So, to the next lot of fugitives is. Be prepared to move multiple times in a day because that makes it hard for the hunters to get on your trail because they'll they'll eventually get on your trail somehow. But if you move two or three times, every time they go to one place, then they they need to rebuild their their case on where you might end up. So keep moving. And secondly, look straight down the barrel of your camera. What's your message to the hunters? So hunters... I never underestimated you. I always thought you were good. But actually, you're even better than I thought you'd be. Oh, always kind to the end, isn't he? Yeah, I'm going to have to give him PTSD now. Trigger warning time, Bobby, I'm afraid. Uh, It's time uh, for us to say goodbye. Um, As always, if you've enjoyed listening to this, we'll have the Speakmans on next week. We will. Looking forward to that. Oh, oh, I nearly forgot, actually. Yeah. Question for the Speakmans. Oh, Speakmans. Um, I'm not going to ask what else, what, what do you wish you had done differently? Um, obviously, we saw them visit Alison Hammond. Which other celebrity would they have visited or had they visited that we didn't see? That's a good one. Good one. Good yeah. one. So we'll have the Speakmans on. We'll speak to them literally in like 24 yeah. hours, but you'll listen to the, you'll listen to the Speakmans in a week's time because yeah. we like to stretch things out. Like in the meantime, if you want to get involved, Pod on Twitter, at Hunters Pod on Instagram, Facebook is Hunters Pod, or email Hunters Pod at Outlook.com. BT Dubs, that's actually working now. It is. And I'm going to say it again. Please, if you email us, say something. Tell us a little fact. Ask a question. Something. Don't just say hi. To yes, me. please engage in conversation. Uh, for now, though, that's all we've got time for. Bobby, unfortunately, your time on the pod is over for a second time. <laughs> you have been hunted. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. This is DC-3 Military, aircraft inbound from the east with five minutes out. Things are going to take off in just over five minutes. The plan gets to cut across the field 100 metres, get to the hideaway, but use it as like a, just a stopping point to dash across to the planes. It's going to be engagement. Got to be ready for that. He could still get to that aircraft before we manage to grab him. As soon as he raises his head, it's game on. They need to take him out. Team Bravo now on the airfield. There's one military uh, green aircraft at the top of the runway over. Surfing over Hayford now. No sign of the fugitive. Bobby's in sight. Eyes up. There he is. There he goes. There he is. Come on, Jim. Mel. Jim. Mel. He's gonna make it, he's gonna make it. Get hold of him! Bobby Seagull, you're done when it's over. You've been hunted. Bobby Seagull, you're done when it's over. Ah.
We said that we wanted a clean sweep from day one. The work that you've done in this room is absolutely outstanding. We've set the standard now. No one is ever going to get to extraction, right? Off for the past two weeks for the clean sweep. Game on, bring on next year. Come on, Bobby. Seriously, well done. Thank you. Well done. Bobby, you well done. Bobby, well done. Yeah. Bobby, well done. Yeah. Could try to play, but you're never gonna beat me. Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy. Bloody hands stain from the people who deceive me. Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me. People like sheep move feet, hurt it easy. Don't wanna be fast asleep when they scheming Better stand tall, ready for a fight, believe me When they try the chains, you can say no, free me Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods For 50-80% to 80 less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.